Hello, darling. Oh, we're echoing again. Welcome to the podcast, Dose of Truth. I'm Eloise Ansel. I'm with Terry Ann Nikidas. So we are here talking about Cinderella. And where we left off last time was a little bit of a talk of responsibility. So one of the things I'd like to clarify is that as I go through a fairy tale, I'm figuring things out. It's not like this is something I know and then I'm telling it to you. This this work we're doing is is my own personal work to have a deeper understanding of myself, how I function in the world, how what my morals are, what my values are, um, how I deal with, with conflict and suffering. So one of the things I thought would be really important was to, to mention that um, I've been quite ill for about six years now. And one of the things that I kept wondering was what, what is in me or what's going on in me that is so different from others who have, um, well, you know, terrible diseases or have been suffering for many years or, you know, going through a health issue and are destitute and um, depressed and down and why, what's the difference in, in myself? Why, why don't I succumb? Why don't I, um, why am I still enjoying life despite the uh, enormous amount of suffering I've experienced in my body? Now, there can be many reasons for that um, that I'm not going to go into. Uh, we could explore that another time, uh, maybe if somebody calls in. But right now, um, one of the things that, that strikes me with Cinderella is that she is faced with the reality of suffering. It's, it's right there in front of her. And chooses, somehow chooses, this is what we're looking at, or I've been looking at, how did she make this choice? How did I make the choice? So as I explored it more and more, there's a fundamental part of goodness that makes something good for me and good for my life that does not increase my suffering. And I use those words very specifically because you cannot say that you reduce your suffering. Mm. I don't, the outcome may, may or may not be a reduction or increase in suffering. You don't know what's going to happen, but at the minimum, I am not making it worse, which goes back to what we were saying last time, this understanding our own malevolence. And the only way to understand it is you have to, to experience it, you have to know that it it exists within you. Um, if we're all around of our own saying, well, I'm really good, and um, it's everyone else that's malevolent, um, we'd have a very different story, which is often what we experience as, as people. We, we experience a sort of disassociation from 
what is good for us, um, what serves us in, in the best, what is in our best interest, no matter what the outcome. This isn't a selfish, superficial, this is in my best interest. This is really serving self that doesn't make the suffering worse. And suffering, as we already said, suffering is inevitable. Um, we know we're going to die. And the species that knows it's going to die. And and that that suffering has to be borne. Oh, you broke up. It, and, that, and that suffering has to be borne. You must bear it. I must bear my mm. suffering. Now, that doesn't mean I'm I'm just, you know, hanging around underneath my suffering and, um, you know, whining and, you know, cursing that I have this suffering. It's the understanding that, well, life is not fair. There is suffering. Those two things are very clear to us. We can try to escape it. We can um, be malevolent and try and decrease our suffering. Which seems to me just the idea that I want to decrease my suffering. And and please don't take this as, you know, I, of course I want my uh, pain to go away. Of course, I would like it to decrease. But what if it doesn't? Mm. That's, that's always a question. What if it never does? That means, you know, some people say, well, if it never does, then I'm going to live in hopelessness and desperation. No, if it never does, I'm going to find a way to handle it what are all the options i've explored so many different options and um yes luckily enough i found a way to reduce the pain but it was five years five and a half years without finding that and that did not stop or cease my the virtue with which I live my life, and I'm not saying everything I do is virtuous, but I'm saying that those virtues that are well um, examined, where you know that you can be malevolent. So, so I know the experience when I was a, a, a uh, stuck in blame consciousness and, and malevolent, it, it got me nowhere. And I knew from a very young age that that wasn't the way to be. And I could see it in myself. I could see it in others. And I, it was a signal to me, my, my malevolence, like, how could you do that to me? Right. As soon as I would see that, I said, well, this is not going to get me. Mm. Whatever the other person's done, they've done. They're, they're free to do what they want to do. And, and also they might not even be able to help what they do. Um, they may not ever take responsibility for what they do. So a, a secondary factor was I had asked Eloise how you know responsibility is something good, something that is moral. And we kind of went around the topic, but one of the big things that makes, uh, makes us aware is that we, we want responsibility from someone else. We want them to take responsibility. There, there's also that, but we know that we want it, right? So, so I know that 
that I'm going to work a lot better with people who are responsible. So if I'm responsible, you're responsible. This is great. We know this from the, um, if you think of the prices law and the Pareto distribution, right? In prices law, there's the 1090 rule, 10% of the people do 50% of the work and 90% of the people do the other um, 50% of the work. And the Pareto distribution is the 80-20 rule. So 20% of the people are going to be successful. So, so you've got 100% of athletes, 20% are going to be the top athletes. And people are constantly moving in and out, right? So there, there are certain things that we look at. Well, it's not fair. I'm, I mean, it's not fair that I'm not um, Magic Johnson. It would be so nice to be Magic Johnson. Well, yeah, well, we know those things are going on. And then um, you could say, well, oh, poor me. I don't have that. Well, yeah, that's one way you can live where you could take responsibility for what you've been given, which is part of the unfairness of nature. Mm. It's not, this is not some ideology or, or concept. You observe nature and you could look at the squirrels and say they're so cute, but if something goes into to take their babies, they're going to rip their heads off, right? They're destructive. Um, and, and so are insects. There's murder going on and mayhem. And yeah, okay, so nature is nature. Yeah. And, and not understanding the nature um, of ourselves and the nature uh, of the world, we, we start to create all these ideas and concepts, which is what you were bringing up. Uh, yes, I look at others and say, well, if you're responsible, it's going to be a lot better. Right? You, you meet up with someone and, and they uh, arrive on time. They're not half an hour late. They're half an hour late. It starts to uh, disrupt your own life. Um, uh, someone doesn't pay their bills. Well, you know what's going to ensue, right? It's not good for you. It's not good for them. So once you, you take, well, you know responsibility is a, is a good thing. It's a good thing for you, yet we often evade it and we say, nope, you, you're the one who has caused me to act a certain way, which means that if, if you look at Cinderella, she could say that. She could say, well, you know, my dad brought, you know, was completely blind. He didn't see what kind of woman this was. She, uh, he brought in these, these women into my life and they treated me this way. So I have every justification for not being responsible for my life. And um, blaming him. To blame to, him. To blame him, to blame them and to act in kind. So not kindly, to act at the same, in the same way that they are acting towards her but this is where the, the the deep sense of goodness really comes to the surface so here we have mother passing on her wisdom and then we watch cinderella act out that wisdom and it becomes responsibility she's responsible she you know very well all, all of us humans have good and evil within us and she is making a choice and then does something that is beginning her process of individuation 
where she becomes her own person, where the the, the feminine matures, because the feminine is is chaotic, right? The the feminine is um, um, disruptive. So so she disrupts. It's it's not a huge disruption, but enough of a disruption for herself. So not necessarily a huge disruption to uh, the family is what I meant, mm. but it's a massive disrupt disruption to herself. So she asks for something and what ensues are is one task after another. She's met with these challenges that are seemingly insurmountable. So when she asked to go to the ball. When she asked to go to the ball. And then she's given every, you know, she's supposed to go clean um, the curtains and the bed sheets and the carpets, everything that she's already cleaned. She needs to go and do the whole house, the windows, the walls, the floors. She's got to do everything in time for the ball that's going on, you know, that evening. Right. But she does it. She she meets it. She meets responsibilities. She meets the responsibilities, but she meets the challenges. When you ask for something, it's not, think about our lives. We ask for something and when you expect it to be given, well, you're going to run into a lot of difficulty. And even if you're, let's say, a spoiled child who's been given everything, you're challenged the moment your parents actually um, want something from you or ask you to be responsible. You don't have no idea how to do it. So, um, Yes, she meets all the challenges of her request. Now, this is occurring in her home, but we, if you go and you say, I really want this job, I'd really like to have this job, and you're desperate, you have no money, you can't pay your rent, and you really, really need a job. If you take full responsibility, you'll, you know, one of the things I learned, if I really need a job, I walk into a company and I say, I will work for you for a month for free. And if you want to keep me on, then you pay me. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned that to so many people who say, what if they don't pay you? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, yeah, that's not going to happen. And the, the, the problem with that is the, the, the Pareto distribution as well as prices law. We know that some of us fit into the 10% where you're going to do 50% of the work. So I know I can go into a company and I will find a way to be indispensable, to be part of that 10% that's doing 50% of the work, which is the story I mentioned last time. Now, not everyone can, can necessarily do that, but you, you can look at your your morals, your mores, your, yes, you know, the, the right and wrong. Are you part of the 90% who sits around grumpily waiting for people to give you um, what you want because you can't do it uh, or you don't want to do it or because you blame your past or you believe that that, that 10% that's doing 50% of the work is getting more than you? Um, these are these are the thoughts that we have, and I, I'm just trying to elucidate the possibilities, or the 
the choices Cinderella did have. Mm. She had all of these choices. Instead, she remained in the 1090 distribution, which is Price's Law. She was, she was the 10% doing 50% of the work, in her case, even yeah. more. And the rest were not, right? Well, the father was doing work as well. Yeah. yeah. So we know she struggled. We know she, she found within her the virtue the, to be pious and good. But that goodness was not simplistic. It was filled with responsibility and responsibility over her own good versus evil. Otherwise, she wouldn't know what it's like to be good. Yeah. You, you don't know what it's like to be good if you don't know what evil is. So the, the, the sisters are great, and the mother is a representation of that evil. But whatever we see is a, is a, a reflection of what's going on within yeah, us. Yeah, we can't see so anything the, that we haven't experienced ourselves. Or seen. Yeah. Yeah, that we're not we're not yeah. aware of. Yeah, so the 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 mother and the, the sisters end up being the battle that she's having. Mm. Right, they're not separate from her. These are these are images of what her battle is between good and evil. It's her own internal struggle. In the moment she she decides to be good and asks, that is the magic. That is like hope, wishes. And it, but putting those hopes and wishes into action, as I mentioned last time, and she, she of course goes through the magical alchemical experience of a transmutation, which means the dress comes right. And like we said last time, there's there's always some magic that occurs once you once you have this. Well, realization, you're, you are moral, you're living with your morality. In this case, we're only working with responsibility as her morality, that which is good, which does not make things worse. And through that responsibility, magic occurs. Yeah. Right? So I kind of mentioned last time that, you know, you have a, you could have a job, have a job, and ask for a raise and get fired. Yeah, that's that. That's possible. Or you you really look within and see: Am I doing everything that's required in this job? Have I gone to my boss and said, "Are all the expectations that you have of me met?" And let's say the boss says yes. Okay, now how can I go above and beyond your expectations? What is, you know, I'd like to be critiqued. Yeah. Give me a critique. And once you've really fully covered and you're able to, to be critiqued and fulfill that responsibly, not with malevolence or resentment, then, then you might go off and do that and come back and say, I, I don't, you know, I think magic would happen just to speculate for a moment. You'd be off yeah. of likely but if and if you're not you would go in and ask for a raise you know you might get a surprise like oh yes we were just considering giving you a raise or um yes we'll give you a raise 
right? Yeah, and I'm not saying that what you do responsibly is going to give you what you want, but magic occurs. Like, let's say you're in a company, you go above and beyond, you do everything, and you're not given a raise, but you, and, and the company is not treating you well, and they're not functioning very well. Well, usually when you're of high caliber, when you, you're, you're truly responsible and you're benefiting, other companies are going to eat you up. They're just going to come after you. So, so our responsibility at the minimum doesn't make things worse. And also, once you, you are fully, fully, fully responsible for everything in your life, and then you ask for something, whether you do that internally or you voice it, begins this alchemical yeah. process. I'm not giving you instructions, but, you know, she's already desires to go to the ball. Then it comes out of her mouth and she's told no. It's just like the description of a job, right? She's told no, but she has already asked and she has already fulfilled all of her responsibilities. And alchemy occurs. She goes off. Well, it's no over there. It's no over here. But I go to the tree and the tree gives me the dress. Now, I'm not saying a tree is going to give you a dress, but I've seen enough magic, uh, unexplainable phenomenon that occur. And, and people call it coincidence. I remember I was working with a student who wanted to learn how to manifest. And she said, you know, I really, really don't have any money and my vacuum cleaner just broke. And I said, well, what are you asking for? And she said, I'm asking for money. I said, why don't you just ask for a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> and, yes. and she said, okay. And she walked home from the class and a guy was putting out his vacuum cleaner. And she said, is that garbage? And she, he said, you know what? It works really well, but we just needed a bigger one for the, the house. And she had a little apartment and he said, take it. It works yeah. really well. And she called me right away and said, oh my God, I walked home and got the vacuum cleaner. It was just, I, I bumped right into the guy as he's coming I out of the I have a weird so. story like that. I wanted a bit of um, like bamboo, you know, stick to hold a curtain up temporarily. And I went to the shop to try and buy one and they only sold them in packs of five, but they only had three left and they wouldn't sell me one of them. And I'm like, well, this is silly. And then I went home and a couple of days later, I found one right by the bin. Perfect. And I was like, thank you, universe. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah. So these magic things occur when, well, I don't think it's just an ingredient of asking. Right. So Eloise and I have done a lot of work um, with people on attracting what you want, the law of attraction. But so many people don't say, well, I, how come I can't make it happen? Well, there's one thing to have wishful thinking and another thing to, to be responsible and make your wish, right? So asking is just making that wish, that beautiful wish. And from there, you know, something, I don't, I'm not saying these are the only ingredients, but um, for now, this is what I've discovered in Cinderella is that her goodness, her virtue, her, her piousness is her responsibility and a responsibility to herself. And the process of individuation 
that is that urging to ask for something. She's beginning to ask. She's beginning to, to grow up. So the, almost like the call of the soul. And then once she goes to the ball, um, she is completely unrecognizable. No one recognizes her. So her father doesn't recognize her. The sisters don't recognize her. The stepmother doesn't recognize her. And the prince and the whole court is completely enamored with her. So we know the sisters keep adorning themselves without looking within. Cinderella is looking within. She has, and then she's adorned with the, the, the same, the, her beauty on the outside is reflecting the beauty on the inside. Right, and, and and when malevolence looks on goodness, it kind of spits, doesn't it? Or tries to hurt it or uh, get rid of it. So, on her her need to go to the ball and asking for this is her honest wish, and it's it's spit on. Yeah. And here she, she becomes outwardly beautiful. And everyone appreciates this. And as she goes home, she loses her slipper, but she goes home and she transforms into rags and cinders. And even when the prince comes out, he doesn't, he doesn't recognize her. Yeah. I, I think this is so wonderful because we... Why are we even doing this story is because we don't recognize what that virtue is within us ourselves. We're constantly looking at how we look, the image, but also doing is a huge part of our image. What we do, yeah. right? I did this and I did that and I look how responsible I am. I did all of my chores. I, 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 um, you know, I go to work all day. I bring home the money and, uh, don't you think that you should be, um, you know, kowtow to me because I've done so much. You know, these are these are very superficial acts, aspects of responsibility. So, so we're watching the whole court enamored with her. Why would they? Not? There were other beautiful women there as well, physically. So we know that there's a this cognitive resonance, right? So her internal virtue and her external are matching. Yeah. And yeah, they, they meet up. Yeah, and that that's a completely different level of kind of beauty or attractiveness when you've got that internal and external, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost uh, surreal, isn't it? And isn't that usually what we find in our partner? Yeah. There, there. This is the person that is uh, has the same values as I do, and. Um, they become they are so beautiful on the inside and out though it's interesting that she's not recognized on the path so we still need to look at the prince who as well is becoming conscious of his own virtue like i don't want to marry who my parents tell me to marry i'm going to marry who i choose to yeah. marry right 
So that's his process of individuation, his process of, of coming into manhood. Yeah. And, and like, I am a man, after... I'm going to make my own choices. Exactly. And it's, yes, and for both of them, it's coming into adulthood. Yeah. Right? So, so when he passes by her and doesn't recognize her, right? He doesn't, he doesn't notice her. Um, there's an interesting piece that I didn't tell you is that she runs off into a tree and when they go to the tree she climbs out the other side so so they don't recognize her and and they can't catch her they can't they can't catch up to her so they keep so they don't know you know they haven't seen her face they just see her her clothing which is interesting right yeah so she's 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 beautiful on the outside but she still has her um she's still uh hidden right she's still it's fascinating that she she has to go through this process of of running away right so you know i've been trying to think of what that actually means so let's see if i yeah i'm anywhere close to what that actually means so she's running away from the prince well she's running away because she has to go back yeah oh okay when she goes down the stairs or over back to the yeah Right. So she has to go back. That's one of the parameters. Yeah, so we know we need parameters in life. Yeah. You can't just, you know, she can't just sit there and, you know, stay with him uh, day in and day out. There has to be, um, there has to be some form. Mm. So there's a boundary right? in that by midnight she has to leave. Yeah. And that, that form and structure give us the capacity to think for ourselves, figure things out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you still need to, to keep growing up, becoming an adult, and just to say I can do whatever I want. Well, what happens then if you just say I'll do whatever I want whenever I want? Well, you're breaking your first, your first virtue, which is responsibility. Yeah. And, and part of our responsibility is that we have structure. And we know very well when you don't have structure, you will quickly descend into depression. Like, try to wake up tomorrow and say, I'm not going to do anything. I'll have no structure. I'm gonna, Within a couple of I'm weeks, you'll feel depressed. I'm going to stay in bed every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, you are, it, if you don't see anybody or have any responsibility, you will go mad. You, yeah, you will. You'll go mad. So... That's something that we, we we need to keep us healthy, and yeah. again, that is that is the masculine and feminine. So, so the feminine being the flow, and the masculine being the constant. The feminine being, um, you know, life and transition and change and disruptive. Whereas the masculine has the consistency and the structure and the focus. We we need both of these things to function properly if you just sit in one well then you're going to have um you're gonna make things worse obviously Mm. you can make things much worse you won't be responsible to um to your nature right your your nature is feminine and masculine 
So if you're not responsible to your nature, you disrespect one, you have to disrespect the other. Mm. So Ooh, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> that is. <laughs> but it makes sense that she has to respect the structure of going. She's now, you know, converted into um, her, her rags. Um, she obviously, you know, may not be, want to be found out. Mm. Um, that she's gone to the ball, right? Yeah, and why? You know, and it's an interesting point as to why she almost doesn't want to be found out because she wants to be with a prince, surely. Yes, but without structure. Oh uh, yeah, okay. So she- without structure, then you, you know, it would seem to me that if she doesn't have her space to go to, 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 well, to synthesize what's gone on, to, to make the changes, and the prince has to make a change as well. Yeah. If he's just, if he's simply just enamored by her and she's enamored by him, we're back to the sisters. Here's the shiny thing. Yeah, it's got to be more depth we to still- it. We still have to ask. So the, the prince is hugely important because he needs to make his own decision. He needs to ask for something. Yeah. So he's already, he's already said, well, you know, let's have a ball so all the, the girls are there. But that's more on the prodding of the, of the parents. But now she, he, he says, no, I will marry whoever is the owner of the slipper who fits this slipper. Ah, so now he's taken full command of his life. Yeah. Right. So she's she now has another step to take, which is to to reveal herself. Yeah. So so it's like, well, I did this one thing and now I have to go off. But I really need to do something um, that is going to be in command of my own life. So that's when they, you know, they come and they they're trying the slipper on in the whole kingdom. And then they go to. They then go to uh, Cinderella's home. They tried on the sisters. And one of the things I didn't add to the story was that when they, when Cinderella comes down and says, I, you know, I'd like to try on the slipper. um, They all poo poo her, including the father who says, no, she's deformed. Oh, wow. Yes. In the original, it says that she is deformed, which is fascinating. Right, so even the father is under the spell of image. Yeah. So the, the, the girls are beautiful, the wife is beautiful, but Cinderella is deformed when she's not. She's not. Um, but the, the, when, we, when we're in this mask that someone's created and you adopt, and you're slowly, it's like she's breaking out of the shell of this mask. So she comes down and says, or, you know, I'd like to, I want to try it on. And, you know, they're poo-pooing her, calling her deformed, and it's impossible, but they want to humor. They just they humor. just humor her, yeah. And then, you know, the, the slipper fits like a glove. I and she pulls out the other one. And and she, they see her. Yeah, they, they, everybody the, sees the prince her. Sees, yeah. Everyone finally sees her. So what's the magic? It's not that she wore the slipper. You know, it's 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 that the moment she steps into um, 
being an adult, asking for what she wants, making her own decisions, not going into malevolence and being completely responsible. That is the magic or the, the, well, that is an alchemical experience. All of that together alchemizes and then everyone sees who she really is. Yeah. Beautiful. And without, without the dress. And of course, you know, in so many versions, the, she, you know, the fairy godmother comes and puts the dress back on her. Yeah. But the dress is not yeah. um, a demonstration of, of physical beauty. The, the dress is the transmutation of who she was into this adult. And why is she a beautiful adult? Well, she's certainly a beautiful adult because she is good and pious. And that she is truly responsible, that she makes her own decisions, that she asks, and she is able to now, the union that occurs, this marriage, is finally her masculine and feminine unite. So we know the prince has been going along maturing. She's been going along maturing. And now the two work together, right? Marriage is about your personal marriage to yourself initially. Mm. Of course, if you, if, you, if you haven't figured out your masculine and feminine, one of the things you could say is that having a relationship is the best workshop ever. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get a better way to explore your masculine and feminine yeah. and, learn, and learn from the other. Right? Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think we're out of time for today, unfortunately. Yes. There's so many complete, things well, I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. Well, save your questions and we'll continue them <laughs> next, next week. week. Okay. Yes. Right. Bye, Eloise. Bye, everyone. Bye. Lots of love. Bye.